Welcome to Day 302 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. We've taken the year uh, to go through the narrative passage of Scripture and to look at uh, the broad story of Scripture that begins with creation and ends with new creation. And, of course, we've gone through uh, the calling of Abraham. We've gone through the establishment of the nation of Israel. Uh, We've gone through exile, return, and the prophecies about God one day restoring the fortunes of the people uh, through his chosen one. And, of course, Matthew uh, helps us to see all of those prophecies are being fulfilled in the person of Christ. Maybe even the key verse in Matthew is, Do not think, Jesus sang in the Sermon on the Mount, I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fill them full. And uh, you see that in uh, Matthew's Gospel. So we left you on Friday in kind of an interesting place. We gave you the signs of his coming and the end of the age and the destruction of the temple. And we quit just before Jesus told us to learn the lesson of the fig tree. And that kind of upset David last week that we didn't get to learn the lesson of the fig tree. So we start this week learning the lesson of the fig tree. So before we pick up in kind of an awkward place in Matthew twenty four thirty two, as always, uh, we, we pause and we realize that uh, reading Scripture is... Uh, as an act of worship, it's, it's a relational practice. Uh, we read Scripture not to learn the facts of Scripture or simply to uh, apply a few principles to our life. We learn, we read Scripture in order to see, see Christ, to see God the Father, to see ourselves more clearly, and to be transformed by His Spirit as He works through His Word. So before we uh, read, Cindy, do you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? No. Father, thank you for this time, and we thank you for your Word. Lord, we just ask that you would do that. You would open our hearts and our minds um, to understand what you have for us today, that it would draw us closer to you, that it would deepen our love and our trust in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, David, we're about to learn the lesson of the fig tree. Let's do it. Verse 32, uh, chapter 24, the Gospel of Matthew. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and uh, took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day on what day the Lord your, on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom a master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to, him, says to himself, My master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. 
The master of that house will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That time the king of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, Open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour which is coming. So we have uh, moved uh, from the signs to the end of the age. And of course, what has struck this conversation are the disciples walking through the courtyard of the temple, and they're looking up at the temple mm-hmm. and uh, admiring the beauty and uh, the magnificence of the temple, which was truly the heart and the soul you know, of, of the Jewish world of Jesus' day. And a real monument of you know pride. Mm-hmm. You could see they say the gleam of the temple. You know you're making a pilgrimage from Jer- you know, to Jerusalem for miles away, as the goat of the temple kind of glinted against the sun. Mm-hmm. And of course they were deeply impressed with it. And Jesus says, "Truly I tell you, uh, you know this national symbol of God's presence among us will not even be left one stone standing on top of the other." And of course they ask two questions, and the questions are, "Tell us when this will happen." And what are the signs of your coming and the end of the age? And so when you get this out, you get uh, this narrative, it kind of mixes the two together. Sometimes we're not sure, you know, whether we're talking about the destruction of the temple, you know, that happened in 70 AD, the signs of the end of his coming or some future signs are, are both at the same time. Sometimes near events are kind of portents of uh, future events as well. The most interesting thing, though, is we bring it to a close, and he said this generation will not pass away until mm-hmm. uh, we see these things you know, taking place. And uh, there have been a lot of speculation over that, you know, particular, yeah. Yeah. Over that particular passage. Uh, and there's probably four or five different ways that you could, you know, that you could interpret it. Uh, I, I take it naturally to mean that all of these things, by the time the apostles have passed off the scene, have have begun to take place. You've had the wars, you've had the rumors of wars, you've had the destruction of the temple, you've even had a, a type of abomination uh, that causes desolation coming into the temple court and, of course, rendering it unclean uh, whenever the Roman armies invaded and destroyed you know, Jerusalem mm-hmm. in, in the city. So uh, everything has... Everything has uh, begun to take place, and so in every generation, uh, we we are ready for the one final event that will bring all of this uh, to a close, and that is the coming the coming of Christ. So uh, what they saw beginning, we are now living in, and one generation will see the consummation of it. Mm-hmm. But it's all inaugurated mm-hmm. with the ascension of Jesus to the right hand of the Father, mm-hmm. and the destruction of the temple. You got the ascension in there, man. Yeah, yeah. there you go. No one talks about it. But that's Nobody a huge talks about it. No, that. it is. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, the present reign of Christ at the right hand of the Father. You know, according to the psalmist, uh, 
sit at my right hand and I'll make all your enemies your footstool. And that'll be, you know, the consummation of all things. And so we follow that uh, with a warning mm-hmm. and I put your charts up. And I must have you've identified, you know, I put them up, put them away. Yeah, I put them up, put them away. I uh, must have you've you know, identified December, you know, in the year, you know, 2028. Uh, but that's probably not it. So, uh, just, uh, and then with that, uh, we're not only told, you know, that we don't know the day or the hour, but we're told that we need to all be ready mm-hmm. as if it could be any moment. And that, you know, passages like this, I remember being in high school and, and reading these and, feeling like I had to kind of, okay, well, let's figure this out. And, you know, obviously yeah, there's billboards all up and down the interstate at times with here's the date, here's when it's going to happen. And then you drive past it a month after the billboard projected it, you know, and it's like, well, that didn't happen. No, that's uh, <laughs> but there, there was a little booklet out, yeah. you know, called uh, 88 Reasons, you know, like, uh, you know, Christ will return in 1988. <laughs> and and he didn't. And oddly enough, you know, it was a best-selling little booklet. It came out again, 89 Reasons. But I've always kind of missed some of the really important aspects of these types of passages and because Jesus tells us, you know, it's not about speculating. He even talks about, you know, only the father knows that. So that kind of answers that question. But he calls us, no, you be the faithful and wise servant in those days. Right. Not the one just seeking the, the, the unwise servant who's just living for pleasure, getting drunk, abusing people, obviously not, not living in the heart of Christ, but be that faithful mm-hmm. servant who is ready mm-hmm. um, for his return. That's always been something that I've probably historically missed in passages like this, but yeah, as I hear them more often, I realize that's probably where my attention needs to be more than yeah. anything. And now that's, and that's obviously where he wants the disciples' attention to be. And, and of course, the parable of, you know, the parable of the, the wise servant who is uh, taking care of the other servants, uh, you know, and giving them food at the proper time is, is of course, his picture of the commission that he has given to the disciples. Uh, to take care of his servants and to take care of his people. And, of course, it's also a great picture of what an elder in a church is called to be or what a pastor in a church is called to be, one who takes care of you know, God's servants, giving them food at the proper time, yeah. of course, speaking of the Word of God. And uh, uh, while you are being an elder and a pastor, you shouldn't get drunk and beat the servants. <laughs> yeah. It's just right there in the passage. <laughs> well, Jesus goes on later, you know, talking to you know Peter after he restores him and, and John, you know, feed my sheep. And so there is that. That um, language of care for my people. Absolutely. Be faithful to that. Absolutely. And, and of course, we read in Ezekiel as we read through the prophets about, you know, uh, God's condemnation of the servants who were in it for themselves rather than in mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, to care for this sheep and, and to represent him. And then we have the parable of the, you know, the ten virgins. Mm-hmm. Some are very short-sighted. They say he'll come back anytime, so we really don't need any extra oil. And some of mm-hmm. them had the long-term view. And of course, the uh, the Gospel of Matthew is inviting us to the long term view, to settle down and to be ready for His coming, whether it is immediate or whether it, it is long. But always mm-hmm. be watching and waiting, mm-hmm. and not to be caught. Uh, you know, you said if the owner of house knew when the thief was going to break in the house, he would have gotten there ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And of course, if we knew exactly when he was coming, you know, we'd be ready on that exact moment. But we were to live our life in a state of readiness and a state mm-hmm. of service. In the town. I find too that when you think about just that daily living <clears throat> in readiness is it just kind of a um, living kind of with kingdom perspective oh, yeah. instead of just the dailiness of your life. Absolutely. But it's a kingdom perspective that would cause your heart to be prepared yeah. and be sort of sober minded and wise. But um, yeah, kingdom perspective is huge in this. Well, you know, I've always uh, 
you know, we, we sing the old hymn, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days you know, to sing God's praise than when we've just begun. Mm-hmm. And I've often, in you know, reflecting on that hymn, uh, you know, thought about, you know, what am I doing today that will make a difference 10,000 years you know, from today yeah. in the presence of the kingdom? And there, there are very few things. We get caught up on things that are so temporary, and of course the kingdom gives us a permanent you know, perspective and an eternal perspective. And so anything we invest in the kingdom, uh, of course, is an investment we can never lose. Mm-hmm. David, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, we ask that in your grace and in your kindness, you would give us that kingdom perspective. Forgive us for the times we've gotten caught up in all the little frivolous details of life and, and even the things we've worried about that, that in 10,000 years won't be our worries. And so, Father, help us to be faithful to the end. Um, help us to be wise. Help us to care and to feed and to serve um, your body, the church, uh, for your glory. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.